dropping on my face. It's the man, it's the man, watch that. It's the man, it's the man, watch that. It's the man, it's the man, watch that. Hey, you're listening to the Matt Watch That Podcast, the place for reviews, rants, and randomness. I'm your host, Matt Sarosky, filmmaker, film fan. Each episode, I'm going to watch a movie or TV pilot that I probably should have seen but never got around to. It could be a recent favorite, critic's choice, or cult classic. Everyone can join in on the fun. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed or suggestions as to what I should see next, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Before we start, there's a website called the Fictitious Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's been around for a couple of years, and I have no recollection how I came across it. I'm not even sure if it's still active, but it features fictitious bands and artists that have appeared in movies and television. The point of the site is to have visitors vote for the nominees to be the next inductees of the fictitious Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So I'm going to name some of my favorite fictional artists. At number 5, Jessica Rabbit. Who Framed Roger Rabbit is one of my favorite animated movies. I think it's genius. The animation, the storyline, the world that they created. It's the only time we'll ever see Disney characters and Looney Tunes together on screen. It also introduced us to the most voluptuous cartoon character ever created, Jessica Rabbit, featuring the speaking voice of Kathleen Turner and singing voice of Amy Irving. She did marry a rabbit, and gives all of us funny guys a chance that we'll land a beautiful girl. Number 4, Jesse and the Rippers, from Full House. The group had a major hit in Japan called Forever. It was written by Dennis Wilson and Greg Jacobson, originally recorded by the Beach Boys on their 1970 album Sunflower. They provided background vocals on the cover, which was released by Fat Fish Music. It was performed again in the series spin-off Fuller House. Have mercy. Number 3. I honestly can't decide between two of the bands featured on the show South Park. There was Faith Plus One, the Christian rock group which Eric Cartman formed to hop on the bandwagon of the genre's popularity. Similarly, when boy bands were at their peak, Cartman and his friends created Fingerbang, which was one of the funniest episodes in the series. When Kenny inevitably gets killed, Stan's father, Mr. Marsh, is added to the group. Number 2, Spinal Tap. Comprised of David St. Hubbins, Nigel Tufnell, Derek Smalls, and a rotating membership of unfortunate drummers. On a scale of 1 to 10, I give this group, well, you know. It was just announced that a Spinal Tap sequel is being produced by Castle Rock Entertainment, with Rob Reiner returning as director, and Michael McKeon, Christopher Guest, and Harry Shearer reprising their roles. A couple of honorable mentions. Michigan J. Frog from Looney Tunes. I don't think it should be held against him that he had stage fright. Jem and the Holograms. They were truly outrageous. Alvin and the Chipmunks. Animals Who Can Sing. Count Me In. The Monkeys. Again. Animals who can sing? What was that? They're not real monkeys? Oh. And Christopher Gaines. That's when Garth Brooks decided to create a pop star alter ego for a movie that never came to fruition. We did get a cringy behind the music episode out of it. Check that one out. And at number one, my favorite fictional group, Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. 
Members include Dr. Teeth on keyboards, Janice on guitar, Floyd Pepper on bass, Zoot on saxophone, and Animal on drums. I'm not exaggerating when I say there are three people who inspired me to be a drummer. Mick Fleetwood, Liberty DeVito, and Animal. They're occasionally joined by trumpet player Lips and pianist Rolf the Dog. I have to give a shout-out to their Muppet brethren, The Nightmare, from Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. The Electric Mayhem's hits include Can You Picture That from The Muppet Movie, Nightlife in The Great Muppet Caper, and You Can't Take No for an Answer from Muppets Take Manhattan. They also performed the rockiest version of Jingle Bell Rock from my favorite Christmas special, A Muppet Family Christmas. Who are some of your favorite fictional bands from movies and television? Hit me up on social media with the hashtag MattWatchThat. On to the main attraction. Each review will end with a ranking out of five stars. One star is Skip It. Two stars Watch at Your Own Risk. Three stars Standard Fare. Four stars Worth Checking Out and five stars must see. Now if I give a title five stars, it doesn't mean I'm comparing it to Casablanca, Jaws, or Seinfeld. I rank titles based on other movies or TV series in that genre and at that time period. So let's jump into it. These are my ruminations and observations of the movie Old School from 2003. So how'd I miss it? I have no idea. This came out a year before two of my favorite comedies of the aughts, Anchorman and Dodgeball, both of which have overlapping casts. So naturally you'd think I'd go back and watch it, but never did. It was directed by Todd Phillips, who helmed Road Trip, The Hangover Trilogy, Due Date, and Joker. It was announced that the sequel, Joker 2, will be a musical. So that will be interesting. He's been nominated for four Academy Awards. The screenplay was co-written by Todd Phillips and Scott Armstrong, who collaborated on Road Trip, The Hangover Part 2, and School for Scoundrels. It was based on a story they wrote with Court Crandall. This is something to look out for. Terry O'Quinn has an uncredited role in the film as Goldberg. Most people will know him as Locke from the series Lost, though us old-school fans, pardon the pun, recognize him from The X-Files, Millennium, and other Chris Carter ventures. The movie stars Luke Wilson as Mitch Martin. He appeared in the short film Bottle Rocket in 1994, which was written by his older brother Owen Wilson, and directed by Wes Anderson. They would further collaborate in the Royal Tenenbaums, Rushmore, and the feature-length version of Bottle Rocket. Vince Vaughn portrays Bernard Beanie Campbell. It was on the set of Rudy where he met fellow actor John Favreau, who wrote him in what would be his breakthrough role as Trent in Swingers. Steven Spielberg saw the movie and would cast Vince in his next film, The Lost World, Jurassic Park. Vaughn and Favreau would work together again with the 2001 movie Made. Will Ferrell plays Frank the Tank Ricard. The funny man started his career in the comedy troupe The Groundlings, where he met Chris Kattan. In 1995, they were cast on Saturday Night Live alongside fellow Groundling Sherry O'Terry. Over his seven-year run, he impersonated George W. Bush, Alex Trebek, Harry Carey, and James Lipton. So, Mitch Martin is a real estate lawyer returning from a business trip when he walks in on his girlfriend Heidi engaged in a three-way. She explains that there's no excitement in their life. I mean, what did she expect from a real estate lawyer? Mitch moves out of their apartment into a house near the campus of Harrison University. His friend Beanie is the owner of six Speaker City stores, is married with two kids. He sees this as an opportunity for them to recapture their youth, throw keggers, meet ladies... 
Their friend, Frank the Tank, instantly regrets his recent wedding to Marissa and the domestic life it brings, and wants to live a perpetual childhood with no cares. Beanie and Frank throw a housewarming party, dubbed Mitch Martin Freedom Festival and advertised as Mitchapalooza, which features a cameo appearance and performance by Snoop Dogg. That night, Mitch hooks up with a young lady who turns out to be his boss's daughter. If that weren't enough, the next morning, they're visited by their old friend Rodney's younger brother, Gordon Pritchett, played by Jeremy Piven, who informs them that he's the dean of the university, and the house has been rezoned as a college property for campus use only. Mitch has one week to vacate the premises. Beanie comes up with a scheme to create Lambda Epsilon Omega, a non-exclusive fraternity egalitarian brotherhood, where community status and age have no bearing. There will be a loose affiliation with the university, which makes them eligible to stay in the house, and will allow them to continue to keep their good times going. But the dean will not be deterred in shutting them down. Here's a quote without context. Don't say sorry to me, Frank. Say it to the baby. Old School delivers on the type of comedy that you'd expect from the frat pack. The three leads have great chemistry and their styles complement each other. Luke Wilson is the awkward straight man, Vince Vaughn is the talkative schemer, and Will Farrell is the man-child. It has a pretty notable supporting cast. Ellen Pompeo, Juliet Lewis, Leah Remini, Craig Kilborn, Sean William Scott, Alicia Cuthbert, Artie Lang, and Rob Caudry. Not all the comedic elements are there. It's not consistent with the laughs, but there's enough funny scenes to hold you over. In particular, the rush initiation gave me the biggest laughs. There was a scene with a mascot that was really funny. But some of the scenes feel more like sketches that were put in the movie to pad the runtime, versus ones that move the story forward. I do appreciate that they tried to balance out the comedy with some heart, but those elements take a backseat to the main storyline. Overall, it's simplistic and funny which I think is what the audience expects from this type of movie from this creative. Now for a little trivial trivia. The rhythmic gymnastics scene was originally written for Luke Wilson, but citing exhaustion, it was given to Will Farrell. It was edited by Michael Jablow, real name, who worked on Throw Mama from the Train, The Naked Gun, Madhouse, Boomerang, and 61, which he earned a Primetime Emmy Award nomination for Outstanding Single Camera Picture Editing for a Miniseries, Movie, or Special. The score was composed by Theodore Shapiro, who wrote the music for Wet Hot American Summer, 13 Going on 30, Dodgeball, The Devil Wears Prada, and Tropic Thunder. The soundtrack featured songs by White Snake, Metallica, Duran Duran, Bill Withers, and Simon and Garfunkel. The runtime is 1 hour 30 minutes. Remember when comedies used to be under 2 hours? That's called appropriate. It had a budget of $24 million and grossed $87 million at the box office. A sequel was written by Scott Armstrong, but failed to attract original stars Will Ferrell and Vince Vaughn. I give it 3.5 out of 5 stars. You can see the foundation of comedy that movies like Anchorman and Dodgeball built upon to almost perfection, in my opinion. Take off half a star if you don't like either of those movies. If you've seen Old School and have opinions on the movie, let me know what you think using the hashtag MattWatchThat. Moving right along, each episode I'm going to post clips that I think people should watch. It could be movie trailers, music videos, interviews, or something completely random. Search for my YouTube page and there will be a playlist called Matt Watch That Playback. Tim Minchin is a talented Australian stand-up comedian and even more brilliant musician. My friend Maureen, whom I've mentioned before and is well-known within comedy circles, invited me to see his show at Town Hall in Manhattan. 
Afterwards, she brought me backstage, and initially we were in his dressing room, but there were so many people around that Tim had actually left and was standing in the hallway talking with someone. So I sidled out to where he was and waited patiently, and when he was done talking with his friend, we made eye contact and greeted each other. I told him I was a friend of Maureen and that I enjoyed his show. He complimented me on my shoes, they were great converse, which I still have to this day, and said he had that exact pair. We spoke about a couple of British television programs that he had made an appearance on, including some panel shows, which he gave me some behind-the-scenes tidbits on. All in all, we probably spoke for less than five minutes, but he couldn't have been more down-to-earth. It was one of the easiest conversations I've ever had with a celebrity. Outside of comedy, he's written the music and lyrics for two Broadway shows, Matilda and Groundhog Day. He acted in season six of the Showtime series Californication, and starred in and developed the series Upright for Fox Showcase. But his main act is comedy, combining humorous observations with complex musicianship. I've selected a couple of songs which I'll post. Two are from his stand-up routines, Prejudice and Dark Side. One is from a special, Lullaby. And the last is from the Olivier-winning, Tony-nominated Matilda. They're all available in the Matt Watch That playback playlist on YouTube. Check it out. Now it's time for the recommendation. Yes, that's the word recommendation with Matt in the middle. I'm going to end each podcast with my own recommendation of a movie or TV series. Today I'm talking about Hot Ones. Created by Christopher Schoenberg and Sean Evans, who is also the host. Took me a while to get around to it, but now I'm addicted. Even if I'm not interested in the celebrity or guest, it's still an entertaining watch. Basically, it's an interview show. Except during the conversation, they eat chicken wings with hot sauce that gets progressively hotter. Now, I like spicy food, so I think I can get pretty far down the line. But here's the problem. I don't have a weak stomach, but when I'm not feeling well, it's always my stomach. I don't get earaches, sore throats, rare if I have a headache, but my tum-tum, it gets upset. So I'm not sure how much I'd be able to take. I also know I would look a mess. Tears down my face, drips out of the nose, I'll be leaking from everywhere. It happens at the drop of a hat. And I know that they have milk to dull the side effects of the hot sauce, but I'm picky when it comes to food combinations, and chicken and milk doesn't pass my taste test. I suppose the desperation would kick in and at some point I'd have to succumb. My favorite episodes feature Bill Burr, Charlize Theron, Tom Holland, Margot Robbie, Ricky Gervais, and Holly Berry. I like that Sean asks interesting questions. They're not the standard, what are you wearing, what's your latest project? For instance, Charlize Theron is a fan of UFC, so he asked her, what song would you come out to? It helps bring out the personalities of the celebrities. Hot Ones has been on for 17 seasons, 243 episodes from 2015 to present. The series airs on YouTube. The majority are under 30 minutes. Bon appetit. That's all for this edition of Matt Watch That. 
Thanks for listening to me babble. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed or suggestions as to what movie or TV pilot I should see, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Head over to MattSaroski.com for the latest news and updates, and come back next time for all the reviews, rants, and randomness. They also perform the rockiest version of Jungle Bell, Jungle Bell Rock. <laughs> they eat chicken wings with hot songs, hot songs. The cinematography was captured by Mark Irwin, whose filmography includes horror films, The Dead Zone, The Fly, The Bob, The Bob. <laughs> that is a scary movie. A non-exclusive fraternity a non-exclusive fraternity oh a non-exclusive fraternity egalitarian a non-exclusive fraternity egalit a non-exclusive fraternity egalit